and welcome to Diary of a Mad Black Teacher, the podcast. Diary of a Mad Black Teacher, Mad Signifying Making a Difference, is a compilation of stories from thousands of parents, students, coaches, and educators that I have experienced during my time here on earth as an educator. These stories have driven me to create a safe space for parents and anyone with an interest in students of color and students in marginalized groups where we can freely express ourselves and receive information that is specifically designed to help us successfully navigate through a systemically oppressive education system that of course was not designed for our children to succeed in. In each episode, I will give tons of resources, guidance, and information that will encourage, empower, and enlighten you on how to ensure an excellent and equitable education for you and your children, because you will know how to demand it and accept nothing less. And lastly, my hope is that this podcast will create a community of knowledgeable, strong people who work together to dismantle systemic oppression within education, as our current and future generations are depending on us to do so. Thank you for tuning in. Sit back, relax, and get ready to take some notes because class is in session. Thank you so much for listening to the very first episode and season premiere of Diary of a Mad Black Teacher, the podcast. I am so excited to begin this journey with you. So let's not waste any time. Let's just jump right into it. And I'll start this just like I used to start the first day of school in my classroom. I always let my students get to know me to build trust, and that's exactly what I want to do with you today, as you should trust and know the person who will be giving you advice on how to ensure a great education for your children. I am Letitia Cole. Most of my family and friends call me Tish, but throughout my successful 10-year educational career, I have been affectionately or unaffectionately called and known as Miss Cole. Now, of course, Cole is my last name, so it's not something extraordinary. But because of my drive and passion and dedication to breaking down walls of oppression in a very strategic way, it has gotten me a reputation that is now ingrained in the minds of those who have encountered me in action. So anytime someone says my name, it's typically with some type of inflection or excitement because they know I am coming to make a difference. And sometimes it's said with an unaffectionate, disgusting tone because they know that I'm coming to make a difference. And either way is fine with me, because when you are devoted to change and making a difference for the better, everyone is not going to like you. I am from the Chicagoland area, and I am the youngest of four children. My eldest sister is actually a teacher as well. I grew up in a predominantly lower middle class community that was primarily black and went to predominantly black schools that were overall unsuccessful in educating most of the students who attended. And not because we didn't have good teachers or principals or coaches and people who worked with us, because we did, and we had a lot of them who cared about us, but it was just because of the system itself with us being who we were and being where we were that was actually designed to provide us with a less than equitable and quality public education and efforts to keep us from being able to compete against our wealthier and wider counterparts. In fact, statistically, it was projected that less than 3% of my high school graduating class was actually prepared to attend and be successful at a four-year university. Although that might sound shocking, it's very similar projections around the country in predominantly minority or low socioeconomic schools. And what's even more shocking is that the two predominantly white high schools within my same high school district 
might I add, that was no more than six miles away from my high school. Actually, one of the high schools was only three miles away from my high school. They had projections of 76% and 87% of their graduating class being prepared to attend and be successful at a four-year university. And of course, you know that we will get into the depths of that in a future episode. Still, with the odds stacked against me, I graduated at the top of my class and received an academic scholarship to Grand Valley State University. What truly saved me, guys, was God and two parents who really took education seriously and did not accept failure as an option. They are my backbone and, of course, my soul, and I'll be sure to brag about them later (laughs) in more episodes, as we will definitely get into the depths of children having strong support systems because it is so important and vital to their success. And sometimes, even though we think we're being a great support system to our kids, there's always ways to do it in a more effective way. And of course, I would love to teach you guys how to do that and to be mindful of it. So back to my story. My sophomore year of college, I was afforded a life-changing opportunity. I got to study abroad in Jamaica. And I think that studying abroad is something that every young adult should do after high school. Whether they're going to college or not, I think it's an opportunity that all young people should experience. But we'll save that for another episode, probably post-COVID, because I don't want to tempt anybody to go traveling abroad right now, as we should be staying home and making sure that we are safe. All right, sorry for my public service announcement. (laughs) Back to my story. So I went to Jamaica on a study abroad trip to work in hospitals because I actually really wanted to be in the medical field. I went to college thinking I was going to be some type of medical professional. I had an amazing Jamaican professor who connected me with the opportunity to teach children because he said that I would be perfect for it in his amazing accent and beautiful smile. Of course, I couldn't say no to a beautiful accent and a smile, so I found myself in an elementary classroom in Montego Bay filled with the most precious faces and smiles. From that classroom, I went on to teach in many other classrooms around the island of Jamaica in Negril, Kingston, Ocho Rios, or they used to call it Ochi. I'm pretty sure they still call it Ochi. (laughs) And it was so refreshing and it came so natural that I decided... I was going to change my major as soon as I got back to the States from nursing to education. And that's exactly what I did. Me becoming an educator or a teacher was no shock to anyone in my family because I come from a lineage of educators. Teachers, principals, school counselors, paraprofessionals, you name it, I have it in my family. And so it wasn't a shock. But when I went to college, I really thought that I was going to be in the medical field, just like my sister, my other sister. So when I called my mom after arriving back in the States to tell her I was changing my major from nursing to teaching, she went into panic mode. Not because I was changing my major, because she's always supported me in whatever decision I wanted to do to better myself. But it was because My four-year scholarship was running out in two years, and I was entering my junior year in college. And the education program was four years. I didn't have enough money to basically go to college and pay out-of-state tuition for an extra two years. I didn't have a savings. 
And so I want to make sure that we talk about how to ensure your child, whether going to trade school, college, or starting their own business straight out of the um, straight out of high school or going straight into the workforce, never has to be faced with the dilemma of going into something they don't want to do just because they don't have money to pursue what they do want to do. However, I enrolled myself at a nearby college and attended two different colleges at the same time so that I could get through a four-year program in two and a half years because I was that determined. I knew that being a teacher is what I wanted to do and I was willing to do anything to get it done. It was shocking to see how many of my professors, counselors, and deans told me I could not do it. Yes, people getting paid to encourage me to do the unthinkable simply told me I could not do it and in fact would not approve me to take that many classes. I actually had to go get a special authorization to be able to take extra classes. But you know what? I won't fault them too much because they probably had never seen Black Girl Magic before. <laughs> they had never seen this type of Black Girl Magic. And I did it. And I walked across that stage with my support system in the stands rooting for me with medals hanging off of me galore, including Dean's List Honors, happily looking in their shocked faces, still trying to figure out how this Black girl who came from an underperforming high school, beasted her way through a university she wasn't prepared for or supposed to be in in the first place. I received a bachelor's degree in secondary education, social studies with an emphasis in history, a minor in child psychology, and a minor in biology. Yeah, all those courses that I took when I was thinking I was going to be a nurse turned into a biology minor, so it wasn't a waste of time, and it made my degree sound a little bit more fancy. After graduating, I taught in Grand Rapids Public School for a year as an alternative education teacher, and this is truly where the first pages of the Diary of a Mad Black Teacher was written. All my students were low socioeconomic status, Black, Hispanic, on probation, parole, teen parents, or returning dropouts. And some of them were so far behind in credits that graduation would just not be attainable for them in a traditional setting. So the way my class was set up was that I would do face-to-face -face instruction with them half of the day, and the other half, they would actually be able to accelerate their pace in courses online. I graduated 97% of my students and ensured 100% of those students had some type of post-secondary placement after high school. They all had jobs, they all were or enrolled in college or enrolled in some type of trade school. Those numbers had never been reached before and at 22 years old, I was pretty proud of myself and proud of my students because we had a tough year. I had to fight against counselors who were purposely miscalculating my students' credits in efforts for them to fail the program so that the program could be shut down. They wanted the funding from the program that my students were in to go to an IB program, which was predominantly enrolled by white students. I will go into depths of that story in a later episode, 
But I want to say that I had to fight and I had to do a lot of investigative work. I'm a Virgo, so I'm pretty good at it. But to find out that my kids were being told that they had more credits than they actually did so that they, they would slow down their pace in completing classes and efforts for them to basically get to the end of the year and the counselors would tell them, oh, you didn't complete as many classes as you needed to. And the kids would tell them, well, you told me that I had I was on track. And they would literally tell the kids to their face, no, I didn't. I didn't tell you that. And this had been happening for years. And I came to find out that this program, if the failure rate continued, that it would be shut down that year. Not only would I be out of a job, but these kids who have put in years of work of trying to catch up and get their high school diploma would be sent to alternative schools and behavior units where they absolutely did not need to be. So I worked really hard to expose these people who were supposed to be trusted and paid to protect our kids and to provide them with the resources they needed to graduate. And those people were removed from their long-standing positions after I was done. After watching my kids graduate, I moved back to Chicago to be closer to my family as I had been living in Michigan for six years at that time and I really missed home. I took, to, I took a very similar position working with Chicago public uh, students, Chicago public school students, um, who were in the very similar predicament as my students the year before. I graduated 99% of them and 100% of them had post-secondary placement once they graduated. One of my students was killed seven days before graduation and that would have made the 100%. Seven days before proving that he was capable of not being a product of his, his circumstances and his environment, his life was taken and cut short. And that was something that I, as a teacher, didn't experience once, but several times working in Chicago public schools. And it was very devastating. After that position, I took a promotion teaching in a least restrictive environment. That means students with special needs are integrated into classes with general education students and provided help and accommodations within that class to help them succeed at the same level as their counterparts. All that to say is back in the day when special ed kids were basically put in a room in the back of the building and no one saw them, someone finally decided, hey, this is probably not the best way to educate them or to treat them. So they changed it. And that's how least restrictive environment came came about. My first job as a least restrictive teacher was kind of frightening because I, I didn't think I was really prepared. And so it didn't help that on the first day of school, a teacher walks up to me and literally says, I'm so happy they gave you all the retards. And my response was, yeah, principal definitely knew better than to give his precious students to a retard like you. And in that moment, 
I quickly realized I was ready. I was more than prepared to protect these students just like I protected the students before. And I was ready to teach them. So I ended up having a great year. I had an amazing co-teacher and we completely changed the lives of many students who had been forgotten about or pushed aside or students that teachers just really didn't want to work with. In the midst of that, I also taught night school at night for students who were behind in credits and found out a lot about teaching. And most of those students actually, their stories was that they actually didn't have a support system at home. And when they did come to school, they found themselves in the same predicament, no support system, not many people who really cared about them. And they just didn't feel connected to school or felt like they were cared about. And so creating a family environment in that class, I pushed those kids to limits that they had never even reached or didn't even think they could reach. And every single one of them passed their courses. Again, happy moment for myself, but thinking, wow, why is it that these kids are 16 or 15 or 14 before they feel a part of a family? Or why do they feel like they were not cared for in a school system for this long? My fourth year in teaching, I had worked with special education, dropouts, honor students, juvenile delinquents, teen parents, and I loved every single one of them. I had the same high expectation for them all. I valued them all and what they brought to the class each and every day, what they taught their peers, what they taught me, and what they walked away from my class learning about themselves and about the world that they could go out and conquer. However, I also witnessed and fought to reverse horrific things done to students by adults, adults that were educated and paid to give students the best educational experience possible, failed to do so, and in many cases failed to do so daily, and in many cases created an environment of daily harassment, retaliation, and verbal abuse for students. The saddest part is that these educators would band together and protect each other. They would gaslight students and they would misinform their parents who many times believed the educator over their child as of course, Parents didn't think that educators would do this to their, their children. And I fought hard to expose every single one of them and to protect my kids, whether those kids were assigned to my classroom or not. Most of teachers who go into educations that quit, quit before they make it to the fifth year. And I know many excellent teachers who have quit the profession or seriously considered quitting the profession, not because they didn't like it, not because they didn't love the kids, but because they hated the system in which they had to try to teach children of color or marginalized children in because it is hard. Teachers aren't given the resources they need. They're not giving the support that they need. And kids coming, need, come, coming in needing a lot with little support and little resources is overwhelming and can be extremely hard. But quitting wasn't an option for me. I had seen so much that I needed to change. So for my fifth year, I decided I was gonna celebrate by going to get my master's degree in educational leadership. As I felt it was time to make a bigger impact on education in, a, in and on a higher platform. After obtaining my first degree 
I really thought that I would only be a teacher. But my experience taught me that I needed to go get more education so that I can impact more students and more families and more teachers. So I got my master's degree and my first job as an administrator, I became a behavioral interventionist. My job was to give students the tools to modify their behaviors and help teachers work with these students effectively. And most importantly, keep these kids in school, not suspended and not expelled. Because we know that when students are in school, they're not learning. As statistics alarmingly show, students of color are targeted and suspended at a much higher rate than their white counterparts, which leads to many missed opportunities in the classroom. And it was no different at the school I was at, but I didn't spend a lot of time modifying student behavior. I spent more time protecting students who were being targeted and trying to modify adult behavior. My next position in my current one is an assistant principal of a high school of 2,000 students. I manage the special education, deaf education department, business department, and all health and physical education departments. I have done and seen a lot in my 10 years of education. Everything I bring to you is truly motivated from things I have learned and experienced in this field and truly memorized in my diary. I have felt the happiest of happy and the saddest of sad. But one thing I am is I am mad, making a difference, and I will always be mad. And I'm excited to help you learn things to push making a difference in this world right now where we know students of color, students who are in marginalized groups, students who are in LGBTQ, students who are in special education, students who are in deaf education, students who are from lower socioeconomic statuses, students who are at risk, are forgotten about in the education system. They are abused, they are oppressed and disregarded, and so are their parents. Their parents are made to believe that they are powerless, and we will no longer accept this for ourselves or our children. I am so happy to share with you who I am, what drives me, and what my mission is, as I know we will make a difference and change the lives of so many together. So let's change this. Let's get mad, let's stay mad, and let's dismantle the systems of oppression within education together. Welcome to Diary of a Mad Black Teacher. Thank you for attending my class today. Please follow my Instagram page at Diary of a Mad Black Teacher and look for my weekly posts on every Teach Me Thursday, comment under the post, and tell me what topics you would like to hear discussed in future episodes. Also, please subscribe to Diary of a Mad Black Teacher, the podcast, on your favorite listening platform, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, as all my episodes are there. Links to free resources that will help you and or your loved ones can be found on my website, diaryofamadblackteacher.com. And please be sure to check out freebies, upcoming events, and submit comments or questions on my website as well, as I absolutely check submissions daily and look forward to hearing from you. Lastly, if you are in need of more specialized and specific help, you can book a free consultation with me on my website. And remember class, learning turns into simply hearing if you do not take what you learn and put it into action. Have a mad amazing week and I can't wait to see you back in class. Class is dismissed.